0: Trinity 12, and specifically the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 7. So here's a, a couple of thoughts that will frame our, uh, our time together, and uh, the first thought is this, is that only the triune God can create, and we're going to find out that he's also about the business of re-creating, and that the only thing that the devil can do is corrupt God's uh, creation. So uh, from the very beginning, the devil has been uh, described as uh, the murderer, uh, a liar. First uh, John three says uh, he he does what is sinful. The devil has been sinning from the beginning. And so the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So you have this this beautiful work of God being done in Genesis chapter one and two, and God looks at everything and says that's just not good. It's very good the devil comes in genesis chapter 3 and corrupts god's work and then you can say well then god says well i'm going to come in i'm going to come and destroy your work so only the triune god can uh, create and we'll find that he's recreating us as well we're new creations in jesus and that the devil really is uh, he's not original in any way he just goes after the good, and the godly, and tries to corrupt it. So I think that explains a lot about our world uh, these days, uh, that we live in this uh, corrupted world, uh, and we have these enemies, uh, the devil, the the world, the corrupted world, and our own sinful, corrupted uh, flesh doesn't, uh, doesn't help us at all either. But the reason uh, the Son of God came into this world, appeared in this world, is to... Destroy the devil's work. Now, there's that promise in Genesis chapter 3 that the seed of the woman will come and crush the head of the serpent. And so, if you trace the stories from Genesis chapter 3 onward, it's one day, one day, one day, you know, the one will come, the one who will crush the head of the serpent, the one who will uh, destroy the works of the evil one. And so, uh, that's the thread really from uh, Genesis chapter 3 onward. One day, The one's going to come. And so there's these questions when Jesus uh, starts his ministry, are you the one? Are you the one? John's disciples go and tell uh, John as he's in prison uh, that they hear about this one. And Jesus uh, um, receives two of these disciples from John. And the question is, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And then it says the context of this is that Jesus is there at that time curing many who had diseases, sicknesses, evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. So, again, you think about Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Was there any disease and was there any sickness? Were there evil spirits and, you know, people who were blind? I mean, everything was good. It's only in Genesis chapter 3 that you get this corruption and with it you have the wage of sin uh, being death in many different ways you know death in our bodies and our health and our emotions and our relationships relationship with God so Jesus is in his ministry curing many who had diseases and sicknesses and evil spirits giving sight to many who are who were blind all these things physical uh, manifestations of him destroying the works of Of the devil, so he replies to these messengers: Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Now, this just isn't just isn't done in a vacuum. Uh, These uh, who are uh, at the time of Jesus, they they know their Old Testament scriptures and they know the promises. And so, behind these words uh, of Jesus is also this. This manifestation that he is the one that the entire Old Testament was speaking of and promising. So he says, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. So this is the Messianic uh, kingdom breaking in. The one uh, who is promised is among them. So you you hear it in the psalm for the day, Psalm 146. He, he upholds the cause of the oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry, and the Lord sets prisoners free, and the Lord gives sight to the blind, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, and the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And so if you just read the Gospels, you, you you see this, don't you? Giving food to the hungry, well, there's Jesus feeding the 5,000, setting prisoners free, those bound in their, their sin. Um, he gives sight to the blind. All of a sudden, they're spiritually awakened. Uh, they're bowed down, um, oppressed. Uh, he watches over the, the outsiders and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. So yes, that's about frustrating the ways of the wicked of you know the rulers of this world, right? Who come against um, the creation. But it is also about frustrating the way of the wicked one. Um, again, one of my favorite quotes of Martin Luther. It's in his his large catechism. Says, you know, the devil is the master of a thousand arts, but God and His Word, uh, they're master of a hundred thousand more so he just must be the devil just must be frustrated uh, out of his mind that whatever he tries um, 1000 arts right god and his word are master of a hundred thousand more so in that day here's some more messianic promises in that day what does it look like well this is the old testament lesson isaiah 29 in that day the deaf will hear the words of the scroll And out of gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. And once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord, and the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. And if you trace this uh, through uh, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 35, you can read it there and Isaiah 42 and Isaiah 61, you'll you'll be hearing uh, that the Messiah will come. And in those days, he will do these things. Uh, He will give sight to the blind. He will free the prisoners. Now, what's really interesting is in the Gospel of Luke, um, Jesus is baptized, but immediately then he begins to go out and and preach. Um, he starts his ministry and preaches, preaches the Gospel. And he comes to Nazareth, where it says where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day. He goes into the synagogue. So that's his custom, right? Good, raised Jewish boy goes to the synagogue on, on Sabbath and it's his custom. And he goes to the into the synagogue and he stands up to read and he's given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolls it and he finds the place where it is written. So uh, we're going to find out that that's Isaiah chapter 61. So he's unrolling Isaiah, comes to chapter 61 where it says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he rolls up the scroll. He gives it back to the attendant. He sits down. So that's what a teacher does, right? Uh, You stand to read the scriptures in the synagogue. You sit down to teach. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue are fastened on him. And he begins his message, his teaching that day by saying today, this scripture is fulfilled in your, your hearing. Now you, you hear these Isaiah prophecies of the spirit of the Lord on me, he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight to the blind, release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And yes, physically the Lord is doing these things. We'll find out in the gospel that he physically heals a blind man there's something deeper here as well. And so in our day and age, living in a corrupted world, uh, sometimes the false hope is all the physicality, you know, the promises of, um, of health and wealth and things going well. Uh, but uh, yes, the Lord does grant us our daily bread and the gifts that we need. But what he's also doing is what we're going to find out is he's doing spiritual things um, freedom and spiritual recovery of sight for the blind and spiritual releasing of the oppressed as as well. So this is then the gospel, Mark chapter seven. And these messianic miracles uh, really are preaching that Messiah is among us. So in Mark chapter 7, Jesus, it says, leaves this vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. So a decathlon, uh, a decimeter, a uh, decade means 10. So the Decapolis is the 10 cities. And there are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and who could hardly talk and they begged him to place his hand on the man. So deaf and, uh, it was a deaf and dumb um, which means he, you know um, he can't communicate and he can't he can't hear. Um, so imagine a life like that. You, know, you can't hear what someone's trying to say to you and you can't communicate back. Uh, so the design the devil um, again is the only one who can the only thing he can do is corrupt. So he's corrupted this good creation of God. the man can't hear. Uh, The man can't speak. So the man can't hear the word of God, and the man can't declare the praises of God. Um, So that's the physicality of it. But isn't it deeper? I mean, as you read the scriptures, you will find that the devil is about the business of corrupting spiritually eyesight. So that we can't see God for who he is by our nature. It's so corrupted. uh, The scripture says we're darkened. Deaf. We can't hear the Word of God apart from the gift of the Holy Spirit who opens our ears. We can't declare the praises of God in our corrupted, sinful nature. All we're thinking about ourselves, so we're we're spiritually mute. We are lame and and dead spiritually. We can't get ourselves to God. We can't even awaken ourselves. Um, So this is God's activity. Always opening our eyes and and opening our ears to hear the scriptures and opening our mouths to declare His praise and and getting our feet to the right places, you know, for the sake of His kingdom and and resurrecting us, not just recreating us, but but resurrecting us as well. So only God can create. The devil corrupts, and then God says, well, "Okay, yeah, that's, if that's what you're going to do. I'm going to recreate." So. Jesus takes this man aside, away from the crowd, and watch how tender this is. So, you know, you can imagine all the crowd and and the chaos of it. And this is, uh, you know, a man who uh, is trying to figure out himself what is going on. He he can't communicate. He can't hear. So Jesus takes him aside, and he uh, puts his fingers into the man's ears. And uh, then he spits and touches the man's tongue. Wow, this is... uh, if, if you're ever going to say God works through means, this is it, isn't it? I mean, we have a God in the flesh, Jesus, our brother, looking at another man, his brother, right right next to him who has been afflicted. Uh, and he's going to come and he's going to destroy the devil's work. And so he takes him aside and he, he puts, God puts his own fingers in the man's ears and God spits and he touches the man's tongue. And then he looks up, Jesus looks up to heaven and with a deep sigh, and almost like that sense of and whenever you're struggling, I like to think, too, that you know, Christ comes near to us, and, and he looks at our situation, and he looks up at heaven, and he sighs in the sense that you know, this was not the way that it was meant to be. The, the devil has come and corrupted, has tried to destroy uh, the good and uh, godly work of, work of the Father, and he sighs and he says, well, we're going to do something about that. And so he says, epitha, which means be opened. Uh, it's interesting, Jesus a number of times deals really directly with the destruction of God's creation. So here he says, be opened, right? What does he say when the storm is uh, raging? Just stands up in the boat and says, be still. And when he, you know, comes in contacts the, into contact with uh, the demons possessing someone, he doesn't have a conversation with them, you know, um, extended conversation. He takes the, takes the lead and says, what's your name? Well, we're legion, we're many. And he just says, come out. Um, and so God speaks his word. And all the, all the universe is created in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Well, the same God in human flesh now also speaks his word. Be opened. Lazarus, come forth. Be still. Come out of him. And it says here, at this the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. So we have this very tender look up to heaven by our brother in the flesh. You know, again, it's uh, him standing next to the side of Mary and Martha and weeping, weeping, weeping with them. He has this deep, uh, not just a sympathy, but an empathy. Right? Sympathy is kind of like, well, maybe I'm not kind of going through it, but I can kind of see what you're going through. But empathy means I'm right there. I'm right there with you. I have experienced it as well. So God's word does what it says. He says, be opened, and the man's ears and mouth are opened. Then he tells them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it, and people were overwhelmed with amazement and says, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Now it's easy to say he's done everything well, right? When things really have kind of, a prayer has been answered, it has, it has um, the outcome that you had hoped for. But also can we, like Job and those who suffer, like the Apostle Paul, also in faith say, you know, he's, he, he has done everything well, even in the midst of this, this thorn in the side of my flesh, even in the midst of not knowing uh, you know, the plans of God and his purposes yet, he has done everything well. So he makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So again, that's just not uh, something, a physical thing that happens. I mean, if our faith was just based on physical things, um, it ends, right? Um, but there is, uh, there is this spiritual hearing, this spiritual healing that goes, goes on so that uh, we who are deaf to the word of God hear it. And then our mouths are opened and then we, we declare the wonders of God. So this is what, uh, the epistle lesson is about in Romans chapter 10. So, we could say it this way that the preaching of the gospel really is undoing devil's work. Uh, because God works through the preaching of his word, the declaration of his word. God says, let there be, you know, and there is. So, so he does the same thing with the gospel. So, the gospel is really a, um, a recreating event. So, Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we just need to say right up front that the confessing with your mouth, that very fact that we say Jesus is Lord, is the working of God himself. The third article of uh, the Apostles' Creed says, I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel. So that confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord is God's work. Um, so we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. It says, you'll be saved It's with your heart that you believe and are justified as with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Now, I always encourage individuals to keep reading because sometimes uh, they just stop at verse uh, 12. It says, well, see, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Um, And if you do that, um, then you will be saved. But uh, if you continue on, you'll see there's this activity that's driving this confession, this belief. And it is not us, but rather it is the work of God. So verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? So Paul starts to say, he says, well, you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. But how does that happen? Is that something that you do? Or is that the working of God coming into a corrupted um, world, a corrupted sinful nature, one that's blind and dead spiritually and deaf and mute spiritually? Well, then this is what Paul says. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? So just trace, trace this with, with, with Paul. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? But not all the Israelites accepted the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So what Paul says there is, okay, you say Jesus is Lord, but you trace that back. And says, well, well, how can you call on on the one you have not believed in, and well, how can you believe if you haven't haven't heard, and how can you hear without someone preaching, and how can you how can they preach unless they're sent? So, um, Paul, you know, Paul saying this faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard. Through the Word of Christ, God's Word says what is. You know, what, what God's Word says, it also accomplishes. So let there be light. Lazarus, come forth. You know, be, be open. So these are uh, the thoughts behind the readings for Trinity uh, Twelve. So Messiah has come. He's destroying the devil's work. Um, And he is not just creating, but he is also recreating in the person and the work of Jesus.